0: I'll always
1: tell it like it is. That's the bottom line. If you just live to exist, you are borrow time. Don't ever let them take it. So, no, no, no. Don't ever let them take it. So, no, no, no. I'll always tell it like it is. That's the bottom line. If you just live to exist, you are borrow time. Don't ever let them take it. So, no, no, no. Don't ever let them take it. So, no, no, no. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line, yeah, that's the bottom, that's the bottom. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Wahlberg here at The Bottom Line. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a little while. Things have been kind of hectic in terms of scheduling and getting product out to you guys. Um, you know, we're living in a in a very strange time in our world. And um, yeah, so no excuses. We've been a little lazy, be honest with you. We've been a little lazy. I think it's easy to get lazy in these times. Um, but we're back, and it, every time we come back, we come back with these phenomenal guests. So for me, it it's worth the wait, right? So a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we had Joe Namath for our Super Bowl issue, and it seems like we get a lot of New York centric guests, right? I don't know why that is, because I really don't like New York too much, because I'm a Boston guy, right? But um, but today we have a very very special guest. Um, I'm honored to say that this particular guest is a, is a true friend of mine um, and has been always so kind and generous with his time uh, not only with his time but with his prayer which is very important to me um, but I've gotten to know this gentleman and he is just that he is a gentleman He''s is a, is a true servant and uh, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend
0: Daryl Strawberry.
1: Daryl, what's up, buddy?
0: What's up, Jim? Thanks for having yeah. me, man. It's been a long time, man. It's been too long.
1: It's been too long. And I'm looking at you and you look happy. And I love the sun shining in the background, right? Because we're living in crazy times. So it's nice when you get a little sun.
0: Well, we need to be happy. We need to find some kind of happy place inside of ourselves. And when, you know, we're going through these times and you're doing a lot of Zooms, you got to create down in your house something uh, to look happy and, Let the sun shine here, because especially in Missouri, you know, it gets cold in the winter.
1: Well, we appreciate the view that we got right here, right? Um, Because it looks fantastic. It looks beautiful. Uh, And you look great. And and that makes me happy, right? Because you're my friend. And I love to see my friends happy, right? And the funny thing is, is, um, you know, when people have this gift or this blessing of recovery, right? Um, For me, I can see it. I can see it in their smile. I can see it in the way they carry themselves. I can. See, there's a sense of joy, right? Because of you think about and not just. I, I, let me let me back that up for a second because, I think from it's more than recovery, right? It's redemption, right? It's more than recovery. I wanna I wanna emphasize that, and I wanna just say for everybody for our for our viewers today, this interview for me is will go deeper than the surface, right? Because Daryl is a man of God and I am a man of God. Okay. Let's get that right out of the way. We won't be able to hide it anyways. Right. But, and for me, when you have recovery and you have that relationship with God, there's a twinkle in your eye that is not in a lot of other people's eyes. Right. And Daryl, you're twinkling. Today you're twinkling and you look great. And it's just a joy to have you. What's going on with Daryl? What's happening with you right now? in the pandemic world we're
0: living in well we're living in you know such a time like this and um you have to be extremely careful to not get confused more than anything i think you have to keep the joy of who you are and and like you said the redemption of who you are um and twinkling your eye is important you know because when you think about you know what it was like for us and where we came from through the midst of addiction um, uh, it was very challenging. It was very dark, and you know, ended up in a lot of places that I could never imagine. Uh, ended up in handcuffs a lot of times. You know, ended up in a Florida state prison with a T one seven one six nine. Just things you don't forget about, and and you get on the other side of life, and you just remember how joyful you are of the little things. And of course, you know, the pandemic has kind of crippled everybody and put everybody in a place of thinking about you know what's next and what's next is my joy when I wake up, you know, is to be the same person. And, and and like you said, we have faith, you know, our faith has carried us on the other side of the emptiness and you, you'll see a lot of people who are in recovery, but still empty on the inside. I, why get in recovery and be empty on the inside? I, I, I didn't wanna be that person, you know, and I knew recovery was very important and I had to get to that point of surrendering and everything, but I just wanted to get well on the inside. And I think the healing process of getting well is real Uh, a lot of people talk about being free but brother we sit here and we're free we are free indeed Mm -hmm. you know uh, because of our relationship and our faith and and the way we walk and and, and the things we do and and the way we treat people i Mm -hmm. think that's so important to one who has uh come to the place and found recovery it's still how do you treat others do you Mm -hmm. do you make your do you make yourself better than them or do you see yourself for the grace of god for, for for the grace of God, there go I, you know, mm-hmm. if one's still out there struggling and, and you have compassion for them, but also at the, at the same time, you know, when you see people and I've seen dear friends, you know, and you try to help them, I try to help them. And, you know, they, they think you're trying to build something for mm-hmm. yourself and, and you're really not, you know, you're right. really trying to get them out of the, out of the darkness, out of the pit that we mm-hmm. were in. So, and it, it's good to be out of the pit. It's good to be alive and it's good to be bright. I, mm-hmm. I, I think the, the brightness of who we are.
1: Yeah, you just said something. You said a bunch of things that were really important to me, but you said something that was critical because I've been there, right? I've been in that place where I was physically, I was clean, right? I was without alcohol. I was without drugs, right? I had no mind altering substances, right? But I wasn't happy and I couldn't figure it out, right? See, I spent a lot of time, um, working on the outside, right? So that, you would think I was doing well, right? So I'd get lots of gold chains, I'd have a nice car, and I'd always be in the company of a lovely young woman when I was a single man. Like, it was all about what you thought, because I I had no thoughts, no original thoughts, and I had no real opinion of myself. And the opinion, maybe I had an opinion and it was so low that I didn't want to acknowledge it, right? But until I got beaten into a state of reasonableness, right, where I was willing to look at what was missing in my life, right? That hole that was there that I tried to fill with drugs and alcohol was back, but I wasn't, I hadn't, I wasn't able to fill it with drugs and alcohol. So it was just this emptiness and it was that emptiness that only God can fill for me. Right. I, I I won't speak for anybody else. Right. But we talked about that twinkle. Right. And we talked about that joy. And for me, that's the only place I find that. Right. So for me, not using is what I like to call a very good beginning, right? That's a good beginning, right? But it's, there's work that needs to be done, right? Because we've, we've spent years, I spent, I started as a young, young kid, man, homeless by the time I was 12, right? So think about that brain damage that I caused myself, right? For all those years, and now because I don't use, I'm supposed to be able to figure out the world, I go back to what I know. Right? I go back to getting what I want and wrestling satisfaction and happiness out of the world. I'm not thinking about serving other people or being kind to other people. I'm thinking about me because I ain't much, but I'm all I think about, right? So that was such a critical thing that you said. And I wanna I want thank you for that because it's a reminder for me, right? It's a reminder for me um, that that happiness, I'm in the middle of uh, a 90 day uh, retreat called exodus ninety and it's a lot of uh it's a lot of sacrifice it's a lot of fasting a lot of prayer a lot of a whole and it's done with the fraternity of men and uh been really focused more focused than ever on what I need to be doing right because uh, I got built in forgetters man i start i get to what I think is the desired shore of faith I stand up I brush off my shoulders like it's all because I did something great and uh And ultimately I go right down, I fall right down the hill again. So this show is, is about addiction. It's about recovery. It's about redemption. And so what I want to do is, is just kind of have you tell your story, right? What it was like, what happened and what it's like now. Right. And I'm going to do my very best. I'm going to sit on my hands. Right. I'm, I, I, it's not a conversation. This is the time to listen, right? I want to listen. I'll have you share your story then we'll talk a little bit afterwards
0: well here you go okay when i was young i mean i i grew up in like a dysfunctional home my dad was a raising alcoholic and you know a lot of people don't know the story so you know he came home uh one night again you know just acting crazy and you know pulled out a shotgun and you know my older brother michael told him i want to just sleep us alone?" he says you'll kill a whole family and my brother told him, why well, just get out of the house? And my brother Ronnie grabbed a butcher knife, I grabbed the frying pan and, you know, we almost killed him that night. Had my mother not gotten us out of the house, uh, we probably would have killed him. See, it was supposed to have been a tragedy over my life before I ever put the uniform on. So, you know, when I was real young, after he got out of the house, you know, the dysfunction was already there, you know, and I always say, you know, my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. Mm-hmm. And there I was, you know, starting early with marijuana and coke 45 at the age of 14, 15 years old, I mean I got kicked out of like three or four different junior high schools and something like that. I can't even remember and, you know they just sent me on the high school because I was troubled all the time and I was. always in trouble you know getting high going to school and setting bathrooms on fire, so I didn't have to go to the first period just doing all kind of crazy stuff and you know getting into fights and you know they kicked me out of school and. And I was just broken you know I was lost you know because of the direction of. Of seeing the reckless of my father in the household and what he was and everything, and and I started early. Like I said, I I was re- I was really committed. I, like anything else, I got committed to like drinking and and smoking marijuana. You know, every day. You know, you get the nickel bags back in the days. You know, and that was nothing. You know, compared to what the days are. And you know, and and there I was on that journey for a very long time. And then I went into high school, and you know, when I was into high school, I saw high school was really attractive, and you know, I got into sports and got into a lot of coaches, you know, that came into my life in high school, but I was still always active in in, in the drinking and smoking, you know, during that period, and even all the way up to, you know, my senior year in high school. And I just remember my first year in high school, my 10th grade year, I remember I was, thought I was a big shot coming from little league, all um, summer ball team and, you know, playing the varsity b- baseball. And I was jogging off the field and then I start walking before I got across the white line. And my coach came up and thumped me in the head and said, don't you ever walk off this field again. I took the uniform off and threw it in his face and quit, you know, in the 10th grade. So I realized there, you know, I was having trouble and I needed to be disciplined, you know, because of, you know, the, the way I was raised in the home. And I realized that I didn't want anybody controlling me anymore in my life. So I was really going through a really tough period in, of drinking and, and, and drugging, you know, early. And in my early age, you know, mid high school, you know, just, you know, drinking and playing sports and, then I got into basketball and the basketball coaches brought some real discipline into my life. That's when I really started understanding what discipline was. Cause you know, there I was, I was a great athlete, but also I would get in trouble in class and school. And, you um, know, I just remember, you know, one day we just got in trouble in school and, you know, the coach sat us on the bench and, you know, we were supposed to play and I was a starter and he didn't play me through the third period, me and another uh, teammate. So we walked off, you know, and walked. <laughs> walked into the locker room you know after the third period we didn't play the fourth quarter you know and and there it was you know um uh, you come to practice man and he just had us running suicides all day we was on the line all day we didn't even practice we just he just ran us till you couldn't think anymore he's like <laughs> I, I, he was he was like i bet you i, I bet you won't walk off again you know and, and when he was talking to us when he was running us all day and we just went through that period and, and i realized that was some good discipline that started to come into my life through the coaches and you know i just always thank god for all the coaches because i didn't have a father in my life so i thank you for all the father figures he put in my life was the coaches he put in my life and then i go on and get drafted out of my senior year in high school but um you know the dysfunction is still there you know the brokenness is still there i've never dealt with that part you know i never dealt with that part for a very long time and then i got into you know a uh, professional ball i got drafted out of high school i was the number one pick in the draft and that was that they were calling me the black ted williams i was like okay who's ted williams i know the dodgers but i don't know ted williams a ted. You know, great tech i i didn't know that's what they called me out of high school the black ted williams yeah. you know and, <laughs> and, and and when i realized who ted williams was the great ted williams of the boston red sox you know how can you not know him and you know, a hall of famer and everything and a great player. He turned out to be in his career and everything. And, you know, they said I had the body like him and I had to swing, you know, just like him, you know, just sweet as ever. And, and um, but through, throughout that period of, of time, you know, that whole time of high school into minor leagues. And I got to talk about the minor leagues because that's when I really had trouble in the minor leagues. I was smoking a lot of marijuana and drinking. And, and I remember playing in Lynchburg, Virginia. And I remember just coming in this club to quitting our time the organization I want to play baseball no more, you know, because Lynchburg was like a crazy place. You know, there's a lot of things happening down there at the time. And and I, you know, I was getting high every day. And 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 Lloyd McClendon was my teammate. He me and him as supposed to break spring training together and we were supposed to stay together, but he broke his hand in spring training. So he had to stay in the extended spring. And I stayed with another teammate and all we did do was get high all the time. And you know, and I remember not showing up to the ballpark one day and they just said I went AWOL, you know, they just wrote a story and said, he's lost, he's gone. And uh, then I remember coming back that next year after I was going to quit that year, they said, give it another year. And then I went to Jackson, Mississippi, and then I went to Texas league MVP. And when I won the Texas league MVP, Jim, that's when I knew I was a baseball player. It didn't make me a man. It made me a baseball player because I had a uniform. I ended up in 30 home runs, still at 45 bases and double A and went to Triple A the next year trip. went to Triple A for a month. and then there was i was called up to the big leagues in 1983 and i got off to a slow start and there was i remember my first road trip a veteran player sent me to the back of the airplane he said welcome the big league kids now if you're broken and you want to fit in just like me or anybody else you want to be a part of it and there it was i was introduced to cocaine you know that first road trip and i went on the first road trip and then when we got to the hotel they said meet us downstairs kid We'll take you to the club and they took me to the club, there was the beautiful girls, and I was like, man, I have arrived, you know, this is it, this is what I always wanted. Little did I know that that would be uh, my way of living for the next whatever years of playing Major League Baseball because of the way I learned the lifestyle, the lifestyle was fast, and the pretty girls and the drugs and the partying was real, and I was in the midst of that, you know, (laughs) throughout, excuse me. Throughout, you know, just about my whole career. Hey, little did I know. I didn't know how good of a player I was. If I would have understood who I was and everything and the player I was and how good I could really be, I probably would have took better care of myself. But I didn't know. I got introduced to the lifestyle in such a different way, and and I just carried on with it, you know, for many years. And there I was, lost in addiction, and, and lost in. Didn't, I got addicted to amphetamines you know, for for so many years of learning how to play with those and. You know being up all night and, and chasing girls and you know chasing the drugs and ch- chasing the lifestyle and going out playing the next day people say well how did you get to be so good at playing and living that lifestyle well because i was a baseball player when i put the uniform on i knew how to do that there was nothing missing in me as far as a baseball player and being able to be successful at what i wanted to do because you know i, I was driven to be great you know i was already driven in that way, you know, because my father had said, I'll never be nothing. And here it is, I arrive and go and play major league baseball, and I become seven. So, you know, that that push from him always made me great. But at the same time, I was broken throughout that whole process and dealing with life on life terms and, and understanding, uh, you know, one day eventually is going to catch up to you, you know, it, it's gonna, you're gonna start slowing down. And, and clearly that that's what happened to me. You know, I started slowing down when I hit the age of about 29, 30, you know, after partying so hard, you know, I started having injuries. And then all kinds of things started to come into play. And, and before you knew it, there I was. I, I was missing games. There was, drug, you know, the drugs have took, you know, a full swing of life in me. You know, and when I say a full swing, like a full swing, me taking at the plate, it's the same thing happened with the addiction part. And it just runs wild. And, and it, it, it takes you to a place that you could never imagine. and keeps you longer than you want to stay. And that's what it did for me. It took me to places that I could never imagine. It kept me longer than I want to stay. And there I was, you know, giving, throwing away a career, you know, because of the addiction. Um, we, you know, it, it's it's real. It's real what happens in people's lives. I think people just say, well, why can't they stop? It's not that simple. You know, once you're in the midst of, you know, the addiction, it has the grips on you like something else you, you can't imagine. And you just can't get away from it and, and there it was you know i went on to be successful i played major league baseball for 17 years and achieved a lot of great things yes you know eight all-stars National League rookie of the year you know 335 home runs being privileged you living behind community gates having everything but at the same time having nothing on the inside being broken on the inside because. You know when you accumulate a bunch of stuff like i did you think well okay i already have this so what does it really all mean it really means nothing if you don't have your priorities right and you're not living right according to uh the real principles of your life and everything and i was so so far lost in 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 drinking and drugging it just took me on a roller coaster ride for a very long time and i could just remember going to major league baseball and having a career and being suspended you know three or four times and you know kicked off you know for the last time you know when i was suspended from major league baseball i knew that I was it. and that wasn't even the end of it because i ended up in a florida state prison you know because of addiction uh because i wouldn't stop you know probation being on papers and everything and and, and not being able to stop and and just using and continuing to use and getting just in a deeper deeper hole and and, and digging a deeper hole for myself and when i you know, when i realized that I was in such a deeper hole it was that it was in a deep place when i was at the end of My career was over and everything. And there I was, I was sitting down in South Florida and I was shooting dope and smoking crack and I'm $3 million in debt and don't even have a driver's license. And I knew things were just bad, you know, and it's like, where do you go from there? You know, it's like, I wanted to die, you know, and, and I, I wish one day that it would just be over and it could be, be the end of who I was and everything. And I just remember Tracy coming into my life and she's in recovery too. She was in, we met at a, a convention a na convention and um she had one year clean i had five seconds clean from coming back smoking crack you know <laughs> so, so so i was burning a match burning made in up. heaven <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you know how it is brother i was burning <laughs> up inside i was yeah. burning up inside and, and and i i just needed a sign of life for some kind of hope you know after you know going through my first marriage second marriage and losing my wife and uh and six kids because of selfishness and self centered, and just going through people like tornadoes and everything like that. And, and Tracy came into my life, and I just remember her pulling me out of dope houses in South Florida 18 years ago. And I said, "Why don't you just leave me here and let me die?" And she said, "God's got a plan for you." And I said, "You know that God can just leave me here and let me die." And she was like, "You're just not that lucky, you know." And you know, and, and and there was, you know, God would use her to lead me back, and I would come all the way back. And my life would get restored and it was a process, it was not an overnight miracle. Um, It wasn't it wasn't through the rooms, you know I went to the rooms, I could never stay on track, you know going through the rooms, nothing wrong with the rooms, but. um, You know, every time I was in there, I had a sex addiction, you know, and there, there was girls, you know, it was always you know let's hook up and we ain't got no time and then you end up smoking crack and whatever you don't use to, you know with them and stuff you could never i could never get straight so she was the only one that didn't do that she pulled me out and pulled me back and, and she led me back into church you know eventually and, and then life started to be restored uh, on through a process you know not an overnight miracle i think a lot of times people think it happens in an overnight miracle. You know, it, it's a process of, I remember a guy told me one time, you know, he was like, man, daryl Strawberry, you need to take the steps, because ele- stop taking the elevator, because the elevator is broken. <laughs> <laughs> and the elevator was right up here, you know. Yeah. And he was trying to tell me, take the steps to life, you know, and the steps, you know, step one was so critical you know always so critical to be able to understand no matter who you are you know that we're powerless over our addiction and our lives have become unmanageable and i just had to understand that he said you only have to do step number one that's the only one you have to do perfect Mm. realize that you're powerless you know and your life has become unmanageable you know and when i started to understand that you know it made a lot of sense that i'm powerless over people places and things and you know Uh, drugs and alcohol, and my life just become totally unmanageable when I'm around people, places and things and drugs and alcohol. And once I got onto that journey and started understanding that, Jim, that's when I really started to understand that recovery is really possible. And I think too many of us put too much weight into recovery. I got to go through all these steps. You know, all you got to do is learn the first step first, you know, because the first step is which one really that stops you from using that's when you get to it's, a place where you. it's don't, like,
1: life, one step at yeah. a time, right? You can do them one and at one, a time. Yeah.
0: One at a time. And you just, you know, you learn to stop, you learn to stop using. That's the first step. Cause if you never get to that place of stop using, then you could, you never, you're never going anywhere. You're not going to get anything. You're not mm. accomplishing anything. And I realized that for so many times trying that, and it wasn't until I surrendered to that first step. And that's when I started walking the walk and became a different person.
1: Mm. So. Carol, you know, another thing that, um, well, you said, uh, again, you said a mouthful, right? And um, before I get into sort of the conversation part of this thing, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for for your honesty, for your transparency, right? And uh, and for being willing to share your your journey. See, for us here at The Bottom Line, what it's about for us is... We're trying to chip away at the stigma. We're trying to make people understand that it don't matter who you are or where you come from. If you got this thing, if you don't address it, it's gonna get you, it's gonna take you out, right? When somebody that has achieved a certain level of success or fame or notoriety uh, has these very sort of public falling from graces, right? And, and then they're able to piece their life together, right? Uh, because people, I, I feel like, the general public's a little bit cynical, right? And they they, they seem to enjoy, especially in this age of, I don't know how you would have ever made it if, if they had social media when you were playing. There's no chance.
0: <laughs> oh. No chance.
1: But now it's like the people are so cynical, right? They 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 watch people, they build people up, they put them on this pedestal, and then it becomes a sport to tear them down and to enjoy or or revel in their in their pain and their sorrow and their in their uh in their addiction and their brokenness right um and so you know for you to share your story and to be so open and so honest is uh it's it it's it's very helpful to a lot of people it's very helpful to me, right It helps me get to know you better because what I was thinking about at the beginning as as I was saying to you earlier about doing the research and you know, like I did, I started Googling, right? I said, I gotta, I gotta prepare myself, right? Because I, 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 I'm trying to convince myself I'm some sort of a journalist when I'm not. What I am is, if this is just one addict sitting down with another addict. This is just people sharing their story. This is just two men of God, right? Being honest with each other and laying it on the line. And, uh, but I go and I think about you know, I, I, I Google you and I start to get ready to, I want to look at the stats and this and that, which are all irrelevant, right? They are irrelevant for the purposes of what we're doing, right? Because it don't matter how far or how good you hit a baseball, right? If you can't get up from, from this addiction, if you can't enjoy this redemption, right? You can't, uh, share who you are and lift somebody else up behind you, then, you know, it's like whatever right it's like whatever
0: right right because we have to be able to jimmy we have to be able to carry the message and, and be able to share our experience strength and hope yeah. See, and the problem with people like me who have had a celebrity lifestyle people always say they never have problems and the problem is most of them end up ODing and dying because mm. people won't say they have a problem right. and it's okay to say that you have a problem because if you have a lifestyle and and you live a celebrity lifestyle, you you can get help. And I think that's the message that I try to carry to so many people to let them mm-hmm. know, don't be ashamed of who you have, who you are, excuse me, who you are, because you've had some shortcomings, and have some problems with addiction. It's been millions of people before you, and there will be million people, a million people behind us that will have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to be able to be in a place where you can be open and honest with yourself about it. So you can clearly somebody else because there's so many people that suffer like i did from the perspective of everybody watching them and pointing fingers at them mm. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about the finger pointing because when one person pointing fingers at you three fingers are pointing right back at them by right. the grace of god they go i that can happen mm. to anybody so we got to be able to encourage people and let them know you know my experience strength and hope is real and what i went through uh, hopefully it can help you overcome too and hopefully it can help a lot of people who have status where they don't have to hide behind the scene and say, Mm. well, I don't have a problem. You know, There's a lot of problems that go on with a lot of drug issues that people never uh, ever get their situation revealed and they end up losing their life and they don't have to.
1: Hey, guys. Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Today's episode of The Bottom Line is brought to you by Evoke Wellness Massachusetts. Evoke Wellness Massachusetts is a 62-bed substance use disorder treatment center in Cohasset, Massachusetts. If you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please give them a call. Hey guys, today's episode of The Bottom Line is brought to you by k12print.com. K12 Print is not only a printing company, but they're also humanitarian in all their efforts percentage of all the proceeds from every job that they do go to charity. So please visit k12print.com. You know, you said something that uh, you said, why don't they just stop? Right? And, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to explain to somebody. And I think the best explanation I, I've been able to come up with for people in, in order for, to try to help them understand addiction, right? See, what you see as the thing tearing us apart as addicts, we see as the thing holding us together, right? Tell me to stop breathing. I mean, you, it's, there's no difference, right? Just tell me to stop breathing, right? Um, people don't seem to get it, right? That when, when, when living in addiction, when we're fully addicted to whatever the substances that we're addicted to, um that is it that's our lifeblood that's what's making us able to get off the bed get up and go and do anything right people don't understand that and so um i think you've done a very good job of of helping people understand that um you know i'm looking at this this google thing right and i'm just trying to you know i'm trying to put all my guests up until this point have been people that have been very successful whatever their chosen field is and they're all in a sort of an entertainment space if you will and um and each time i did research on them and i sort of looked at their career and all their successes and everything else and as i was googling you right this morning because i'm a very last minute guy right um because uh, because i'm lazy by nature i think but i was in my office and i'm googling you and then um my producer was walking by, I said, come here for a second. I said, what do you think about this, right? Because it occurred to me, instead of the, the actual details of it all, just the fact that you were on Google and it gives a list of questions that people wanna know, right? And I'm like, you're living under a microscope. Not like everybody's sitting at home thinking about Daryl Strawberry, right? But as soon as Daryl Strawberry pops up anywhere, Right. If it's on ESPN, if it's an anniversary of a home run or whatever it is, people go to Google and they start, you know, what's up with Daryl? How's Daryl doing? What's, what's going on? And, and it's like, they ask all these very personal questions that are none of their business. Right. How, wh- I don't, I just, uh, so I think about that and I think about the added burden, right? It's, it's hard enough right, for us to carry our crosses, right? It's hard enough for us to just be clean a day at a time sometimes, right? And, and to just face life on life's terms, right? And so I wanna commend you for, for the extra load that you gotta carry and you are carrying it. You're carrying it well, man. And, uh, and you know, uh, I hope it doesn't sound condescending for me to say I'm proud of you, right? Because you're my friend, right? I don't have to know you for a hundred years for you to be my friend. But from the minute we met, we knew that we had this thing in common, right? We had actually a couple of things in common. Right. Um, and, and, and that made us connect in a way that I don't connect with other people. It's just the way that is. Right. I connect with people that have been in the same hole as I have been in. Right. And, um, and i and I connect with people that were able to climb out of that hole. Right. And I'm open to all forms of that, of that. Right. I, but when I share my experience or when I want to give my personal point of view on it is, you know, uh, uh what was it? What was the old saying? Uh, no roadwork, no title, right? The boxers, right? No roadwork, no title. For me, it's like, no God, no recovery, man. Or, or, or I, you know, for me, I'm not speaking for anybody else because I know there are other journeys that people are on and they seem to be doing okay. Um, But I got to do better than okay, right? I got to do better than okay, right? I need, I suffered a lot in my life, right? And I don't want to suffer anymore. I want to, I want to, I want to live a life of joy. And the way I am able to live a life of joy is by having a relationship with God and by being of service to others, which is what you've done here today. So brother, I want to thank you. I appreciate you. Um, is there, what's happening, what's going on right now? Is there anything that you wanna share with us that's going on in your life right now that is, you know, that we should watch out for, or are you, you know, what's happening with
0: you? Well, let me just say this to you, Jim. I appreciate you too, man, you know, sharing your heart. And, you know, we just kinda, we understand life. You know, we've been through some, you know, we've been through some some pits, you know, pits of life, but we didn't give up, we didn't quit and we're able to rise ourselves up you know because you know it's a big challenge to yourself to be able to get up Mm. and i think a lot of times people don't understand that um nobody's going to get you up you're going to have to get yourself up you know you can we can talk people in the face till they're blue and we can tell them how how well we are you know how free we are you know because of our you know, our strength and our faith and, you know, with God and, you know, the way we live and the way we see things, we see things from a different perspective today than we did back when we were in the midst of uh, uh, our using days and being lost and being broken and, and brokenness is real, you know, mm-hmm. and law, lawlessness brings about brokenness and broken generation of, of kids come, keep coming and keep coming. And, you know, the thing, the thing I love about people like you, myself and, and Johnny Lupo too, who was with, with us is, 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 we broke the cycle, we broke the cycle over our life, you yeah. know, and, and other people can break the cycle over their life and over their kid's life too, because, you know, I have kids, I know you have kids And you know, I don't want my kids affected, you know, my kids won't be affected because they don't, they no longer see me live that way. They see mm-hmm. me live, you know, such a wholesome life. And, you know, they see their dad, you know, traveling, you know, the ministry and everything. And, you know, I just came out with a new book, of course, you know, that just came out January 12th, you know, turn your season around how God transformed your life. You know, so I have been, on the promoting, promoting all that and doing a lot of promotion about that of, you know, trying to help so many people come to a spiritual place, a real spiritual place, not just talking about from one from the head, but one gets down inside of you uh, that you're able to hold on to, you know, that that becomes your rock, because see, a lot of people say they're spiritual, but when this, when this, when the storm come, if your house is built on the sand, the storm is going to blow your house away. But if your your house is built on the rock, when the storm comes and you have a foundation with God, you're not going to be moved. Mm. You know because this because the storm is coming. Let's be real. You know the storm's going to come. Storms of life coming. Either you're in a storm or storm on the way. Are you coming out of the storm? So those that that's the reality of what we live. You know. So there's no Yeah, there's no ifs. I, I, yeah, there's no no ifs. ifs. Love, they're
1: coming. Yeah,
0: they're, they're coming. So you know if you don't have this great foundation and this joy in your life with God, then uh, you're missing that piece, you know, and and I try to encourage a lot of people in recovery uh, is, is to get that part, you know. And I, I just remember, uh, you know, having a treatment center down in Florida and and, and seeing about five years ago, and looking back and seeing all those young kids coming in addicted to opiates and, and heroin and the way they were just dying OD and dying i'm telling them you don't have to die it's a relationship with god if you get this relationship with god you know the, i I know the drugs i've been in drugs 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 is just a behavior that's not who you are that's just the behavior of who you are if you can get to behavior who you are well and get into a relationship with god so you can get healed on the inside and then you'll start you know the manifestation will come forward in your life of who you supposed to be, and and mm. and a lot of these young people couldn't grasp that, and I've seen so many of them have to lose their life, and it's a sad thing, you know, that they wouldn't allow—not that they wouldn't allow God to be a centerpiece of them—but you find out they never knew God, they never been introduced to God, and mm. I think that's what really hurts about a lot of the younger generations, because you know, people make it like you got to—the God could be the, the door handle. He can't be the door handle for these young people. They, their IQs are too. IQs are off the chart. They're too smart. You can't tell them that God's going to be a door handle for them. But I've worked back in the days for you when you came into the rooms and stuff like that. It has to be something new that we have to be able to give them and show them so they can be able to get this thing called recovery like we have and, you know, have this God, our true understanding Mm. in our life that we live for each day. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it, it occurs to me that we talked about sort of people building people up and putting them on a pedestal and then enjoying watching them fall. Right. And I also noticed that when somebody comes out and says to the world, I'm a man of God, right? That this is my, this is my journey, right? This is where I find my happiness, where I find my joy, right? Man, they're looking for you to fall. They're looking for you to fall because you know, society doesn't want that. Right. Unfortunately, the times that we live in now, they don't want that, right? And um, and uh, so I want to be the one right now to proclaim to anybody that's watching, I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna I'm gonna do stuff that is not doesn't appear to be that something that a godly man would do, right? I'm gonna make those mistakes from time to time, right? And uh, and I'm gonna try my best to learn from them and and continue to move closer to god because sometimes it's my mistakes right that sort of help me become they they help me get beaten into a state of reasonableness and sometimes i'm hard-headed sometimes i need to be beaten into a state of reasonableness where i understand there's only one path for me right that might not be for everybody for me i know that there's only one path for me right and so sometimes i forget i forget about prison, I forget about homelessness. I forget about all the things that I suffered, right? I forget about all that. And I, cause it's been such a long period of time, right? Between the last one and it, God willing, there won't be a next one, right? But it's been a long time and, and, and I've healed a lot, but I can still think like that other guy. It's so easy for me to think like that other guy. It's, it's almost, it's, it, I have to do so much work to, to change what ultimately becomes my intuitive thought, right? Because, and that happens by repetition, 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 continuing to pray, continue to grow, continue to work with others, continue to be of service so that I build new habits, right? Because my old habits can come back so quick. Sometimes, uh, you know, I find myself around people that I used to know. And sometimes I don't, I'm not lifting them up. I'm le- allowing them to let me lower myself down a little bit. Not that I'm better or higher than them, but my behavior changes just a little bit, just enough for me to not be the man that I'm supposed to be, right? And that's not okay, right? And so that only changes by repetitive behavior, by moving in the direction of, of service and, and of God and of, and of trying to live a life of joy. And the only place I find that joy is in service, and I want to thank you, Daryl, for your service here today. I appreciate you. Um, I look forward to when we can spend some time together. I know we were supposed to do something together a few months back in West Virginia. Um, and I suspect that we, will, uh, that we will be doing some stuff together. And I'm really excited about it. I need you to send me a copy of that book. So I'm going to text you my address right now. And, uh, and uh, I look forward to reading it. I thank you again. God bless you. And um, be well.
0: Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate you. You know, I love you too, man. Thank you, Daryl. Keep you. going strong.
1: Thanks, brother. You too.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Cool. Hey, guys. Jim Wahlberg here from the Bottom Line. Exciting news! This week's episode is sponsored by my book, "The Big Hustle: A Boston Street Kid's Struggle with Addiction and Redemption." You can find it on Amazon and our SundayVisit dot Check it out. Hey, guys, Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Listen, I just want to remind you, please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page at Wall Street Productions. And I also want to remind you, push that little bell. Just push it, man. It takes one second. Then that will notify you when anything's going on with The Bottom Line. Thanks.